No. What's your least favorite scary movie? And so we go out, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about our least favorite aspects and most debatable opinions of our most favorite scary movies. We fight over our favorites. My name's Jesse. My name's Travis, and Jesse is not excited today because we're talking 2010's remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street, everybody. It's finally happened. I suppose it, I suppose it is. Uh, but before we get to that, I have a couple of announcements. One... I gotta, I gotta send the biggest, baddest congratulations to a day one listener, aka my older sister. You guys may have heard me mention her a few times. She just had a baby! Yay! Yay! Congratulations! Beautiful little baby, over nine pounds, so that's a lot. Did you say a beautiful little baby? Yeah, beautiful little baby. He's a big baby. Well, I mean, he's a big baby, but he's a little human. Okay. In terms of human sizes, he ranges on the smaller side. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Okay. I know that we're not good with like how human children should look. Yeah. But I do know a baby is little. Thankfully, there's no kid actors in this movie today. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, so yeah, congratulations. Yeah, to congrats. Her. I have another announcement too, and that's a review of sorts. Uh, mostly it's a text message from my mom, but. I thought it was funny and I wanted to read it out loud I just to everybody. Wanted to announce it. Yeah, I just I wanted to declare it. Uh, by the way, I listened to the Black Christmas podcast today, and I know you're my daughter because I immediately started singing in my head, two dangling titties. So she uh, she appreciated the bit. <clears throat> it's we struck a chord with at least one audience member. It's tits a dangling. Because mm. them tits were dangling. Mm. Yeah. They were dangling, dude. Those are some big dangles. Yeah. Big old dangles. Big old dangles. Big old dangles. That's it. That's don't talk too Mm, sexy right here, right now, Travis. (laughs) (laughs) And then my final and last request announcement, whatever, what have you, is if there are any bits of ours that you've liked a lot over the past year, let me know. Reach out to us. Uh, Least favorite scary movie at gmail.com. I'm just putting together. You know, greatest hits of year one, as it were. So let me know what you think. I've got my own personal favorites list, but I'd like to hear what other people enjoy too. I have my own too. Okay. I will contribute to this. Okay. We we need we need contributions, people. We we are a podcast of the people. Tweet at us or email us or Instagram us, whatever. Just send us uh, whatever you got. The, I'll plug the social medias now. This seems like a good good time. Uh so our email, least favorite scary movie at gmail.com. Our website is what's your least favorite scary movie. You can actually uh, like message us through the website. We have Facebook, just the name of the page of the of the show. The page is the name of the show. Uh, our Instagram is least favorite scary movie podcast. Our Twitter is least fave pod. Don't message us on TikTok. Yeah, we don't really do much. I, yeah, with that. well, I don't. I don't think TikTok is the best like platform to message people on. Not to mean we don't do things on. I've talked to people on TikTok. Like people are still like actively commenting on older videos that we've posted on there. That's cool. So I yeah. just like to watch videos. I know you have your whole other yeah. thing with it. That's fine. <laughs> but people, you know, it's a big a social passive, media for people. I'm a passive person on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It took me a long time to contribute to Reddit. All right. All right. I think that's it for announcements this week. All Yay. right. On to the poll results. Guess Yay. who actually did it right this time and put a 
out with way more time in advance than needed. Uh, exactly as much time as was needed. No. Because we had the breaking news last time. We don't have breaking news today. We have actual news, past events. All right, so we did the poll on 13 Slays Till Christmas on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, the today or the poll for that one was all Jessie. She came up with, uh, our holiday anthology is truly the gift that keeps on giving. Something for everyone is the yes, and then too much hit or miss is the no. On Twitter, it's 50-50. It was split in half. So not a lot of people... I don't know. Well, actually, hold on. Okay, so then there's Instagram, which I was surprised had 67% people say they don't like them, and 33 oh, say they did. Yeah, so like not as many people like anthologies as I thought, which I thought was kind of crazy. I thought anthologies were like a popular subgenre. Anthologies, for me, are much like TikTok, where <laughs> it's a very low-stakes investment. If I don't enjoy a video, I can just move on to the next one, and it's fine. Yeah, I mean that's true. Yeah, like it's kind of they they're for people with short attention spans. No judgment to the people that don't like it. I get it. I was very annoyed that we spent thirty minutes of my life last night that I will never reclaim. It will be flashing before my eyes as I die. This thirty minutes that we spent fucking with HBO Max last night because AT and T went and fucked something up so we couldn't watch the movie on HBO Max like we intended to and we had to pay extra money to rent it from Prime. Yeah, we actually paid to watch this movie guys. So I know Yeah, and that's another thing. Yeah, I can't wait to get to the listener reviews because <laughs> so many people hate this movie. They would probably be pissed that we paid to see this again. I'm pissed. Although I am excited to talk about it because I'm, I'm quite fired up. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this one. You know how sometimes when you're like, you have an argument with somebody and then you relive it later in like the shower or in the car and you like come up with all of these good like insults and stuff. You've been doing this since yeah, we watched the movie. Yeah, that was me preemptively thinking about talking about this movie today. Really? So yes. you're, you're fired up today? Yeah. Okay. Well, then let's just do just that. Let's talk about this movie. But first... It is our last Nightmare on Elm Street discussion. Yeah. And that means that we have to do one last dream analysis. Yeah, let's do that. And you will notice that this is actually an edited episode of yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's very new. special. This was our bonus series. We felt like it deserved a full episode for the finale, even though... A full edited episode. Like, it gets its own spot yeah. on the schedule instead of a bonus slot. So yeah, it's, it gets a little bit more polished to it. So yeah. it's all yeah, good. Yeah, maybe I'll actually like edit in Michelle Branch's goodbye to you as a send off to this instead of just telling everybody to go listen to it themselves. Goodbye to you. Goodbye to everything that I knew. Sorry, I was in a Buffy discussion thread about the best usage of music in the show. No. Oh. To you. This is uh, lost on me. I don't know what you're talking about. I know. You're not there yet. It's like midway through season six. So. No, I've got a long way to go, though. You do. All right. Okay. So what was your dream? What did you dream about last night, baby? My dream last night involved us making a horror movie. Ooh. And I can't really remember because it kind of got all fuzzy throughout the day. I didn't write any of this down. Like It was kind of queer in my head, but it revolved i think it was like an anthology so it's like a three-part oh, and where'd it that come from i don't know 
that come from? <laughs> um, but I can tell you this, and I actually like you this really, concept. Wait, but really, you can't think of where the idea of directing a horror anthology came from? From nothing, the fucking 13 Social so Christmas? There you go. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I think also in this memory, Halloween, the new Halloween movie was like, also like, hey, we're also watching this right now, too. <laughs> so, But the, the whole theme of this movie that we had was it revolves around this one knife. Okay, I legit actually really love this idea. I know. I, I might redact some of this so nobody can steal it. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I mean, you heard it here first, and this could be our film debut. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. All right, so I'm going to consider that, uh, because it is a dream, not a nightmare, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that this counts as the dreamer as controller, because we're writing and directing okay. a horror movie. Um, in these dreams, the dreamer is in total charge. Classic examples include driving a car or steering a ship, you know, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people are familiar with the panic that comes when control is challenged, when these dreams can also be very positive. They can alert the dreamer to an area of life where he or she feels overly responsible. Or they may warn us that we have, or are perceived to have, too much influence over a situation. How dream analysts interpret it. In many ways, the notion that we are in control is an illusion. If you believe that you are in control of your destiny, and, in some cases, other people's, Jung would say that you have a god complex. The dreamer (laughs) as controller can be a manifestation of this. A mature adult realizes that although he or she has an element of control, there are always extraneous variables that can turn a stable situation into chaos. These dreams can also be reassuring. You may, for example, have a dream in which you have to organize a complex set of computer files. Whoa, what kind of nerd is having yeah, dreams like, like that? Who's Caleb? Writing this? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> probably Caleb, yeah. You may lack confidence with computers in waking life, but in your dream, you complete the task efficiently and wake with a sense of satisfaction. I I definitely awoke with a sense of satisfaction because I fucking I was like yes I love this idea <laughs> I want this to be a real thing. All right. Okay. So what was your dream? Okay, this happened over the weekend while we were visiting your parents. I don't remember a ton of details about it, but I do remember that we were renovating the house, and we were building a second floor. And our washer and dryer got moved upstairs because clearly we've been watching too much Love It or List It because designer Hillary loves moving a laundry room. She loves fucking shit up. <laughs> she does not respect She's like, the, the, the washer and dryer do not belong in the flow of the house right here. We're going to move it. We're going to make it make much more sense up in this corner and the other side of the house away from where all your clothing is. It's pretty good. Yeah. You've watched a lot of Love It or List It. Yeah. I feel like I need so. to tease my hair so I can look like Dust Dust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so we're going to go with being at home for that one. That because you're at home. Sounds accurate. <laughs> yeah. The environment in which your dream takes place is important to the dream's meaning. As with any story, setting also plays a major role in establishing tone. A dream set in a shopping mall, for example, will have a different atmosphere from one that has a summery meadow as its backdrop. The most common of all dream environments, however, is the home. The house represents the self, so it makes sense for it to make a regular appearance. One of the best dreams is finding a room or space in a house that we had no idea existed. Oh! This suggests that we are ready to meet a part of ourselves that we hadn't been aware of previously. Does this mean that I am, like, creating a new Jesse? Did you create a whole upstairs for us? Maybe. Let's see how they interpret it. 
Or, you know, a high-strung British lady did. Yeah, it could be that. So how dream analysis... How dream analysis interpret it? Analysts. Analysts. How dream analysts interpret it? (laughs) The house represents the dreamer's (laughs) psychic struck... What? Say analyst one more time. Analyst. (laughs) Is there something wrong with that? No. Analyst. (laughs) The house represents the dreamer's psychic structure. Each room, therefore, contains a different emotional atmosphere and meaning. If someone dreams of being up in the attic, it suggests a life lived mostly in the head, perhaps also a tendency to fantasize. If the dream environment moves down to the basement, the dreamer is taking a journey into the unconscious. What exactly is in the basement tells you if the dream concerns the collective or the personal unconscious. Archetypal characters and symbols belong to the collective unconscious, whereas people and things that you know relate to your dream to the personal unconscious. Where exactly were you in the house? Consider carefully the personal meaning of your dream room because this will indicate what complex C-box the dream is processing. Okay. So you already got yours because you're upstairs, so you're like up in your head. I'm up in my head and I'm working with, uh, I guess that's the personal subconscious because it's items. Yeah, it's not people. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That was cool. I'm glad, that we, I'm glad that we ended the franchise on dreams instead of nightmares. Yeah, it's a trend up. <laughs> we're, we're doing better, people. <laughs> All right. So after that, let's get into the movie. So, like I said before, we're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, the 2010 remake. This movie was directed by Samuel Bayer, who... It was very. I was kind of surprised to see his history. He doesn't really direct a lot of movies. He is mostly like a music video director. Directed some of the Strokes music videos. Which ones? Uh, I know. Um, uh, you you only live once. One of them, and there's like a couple of others. He's got a long fucking. List. I was wondering if he was the one that directed. Uh where like the entire band refused to film with Julian, so they had everybody split separately in the mansion. (laughs) He's been going since uh, 95, I think. I think he did. Huh? Which song was that? that Undercover Undercover Darkness. Darkness? Yeah. Um, I I can't remember if I read this, so if this is incorrect, please just correct me, but I think he also did the It Smells Like Teen Spirit. He's like He's been back that long. That's his jam. That's his... Bread and butter. He does music videos. Isn't that um, what's his name? Mick G. I think. Who? He did a. Oh, the, that guy. Yeah, yeah, the babysitter. The babysitter. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't he like a music video guy first? Too? I feel like that's kind of a common happen? thing. I mean, I guess I can see like the parallels between it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's still directing. Yeah, you it's know? just directing. It's not. But, it's not writing and directing. That's different. Uh, well, thankfully he didn't write this one. He wrote, uh, this was written by Wesley Strict and Eric Heiserer. Heiserer? It's a weird name. Okay, I'm not going to get that right. I'm it's sorry. It's not nice to call somebody's name weird. Okay, I'm sorry. It's uh, Eric Heiserer. Okay. Okay. Um, what else have they written? Have they written anything else? Well, one of them is credited for the uh, screenplay of Cape Fear. It's Wesley Strict. Um, Eric he did Bird Box. That's like a big Netflix movie that came out oh, recently. That's the Sandra Bullock one. Yeah. He also did... Um, I haven't seen it. I haven't either. I don't know. He, well, apparently he did the screenplay for Lights Out. I remember that. Never watched that one either. Did you watch the short for that? Yeah, but that was like a different guy. <clears throat> right? No, same dude. 
<clears throat> or maybe not actually i don't know because it, well no it's a different dude never mind yeah i was gonna say because i remember the guy the that did the short for lights out like he was active on reddit and he directed i think he still directed it this guy okay. probably is credited like it's like somebody that helped with the screenplay hold on i'm gonna double check okay while you're doing that i'm gonna go ahead and go through the rest of this though okay um so yeah but yeah naturally the guy went from music videos to directing a remake of a beloved horror franchise uh this okay no it was not the same guy no uh 2013 swedish supernatural horror short filmed film directed written produced shot and scored by david f sandberg okay well i don't know what i saw then (laughs) he may have contributed because he's credited yeah no i mean i know i like like i said i remember seeing him active on reddit talking about like yeah. The movie being made into a feature length film. So did, I know he was involved in some way, shape, or form. Pretty well for himself. I just wanted to make sure because I'm about to say some not kind things about That's the cool. writing. <laughs> uh, there's some interesting things about the writing that I'll tell you about too. Mm. Uh, this movie stars Rooney Mara as Nancy, mm-hmm. the only character that gets her name from the original. Okay, can I have a brief divergence here because this is a funny little aside? Sure. Okay, so. Rooney Mara also played Lisbeth Salamander in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, the American version. Um, so on the Dragula subreddit, uh, between seasons, when people are speculating about who will be announced to be on the show, they call it Lisbeth Salamandering instead of Nancy Drewing because it's like the more alt version of Nancy Drew. So I think it's funny that she is now playing a character named Nancy. Oh, weird. <laughs> is that the character is she's like a sleuth or something in that movie i've never seen those i've not seen the movie and i know like i know the basic beats of it but i've not read the book because it sounds really heavy okay well while while we're talking about her let me just go ahead and get this little tidbit of information about her out of the way she hated this movie in fact she hated it so much she almost quit acting and i actually like dug for a quote from her on here that you know, just to make sure that this isn't some kind of blown out proportion exaggeration. But she says, you kind of learn to self-sabotage with things you don't want to get. Sometimes you don't want to get something, but you do a really good job and you get it anyways. That kind of That's kind of what happened with this. I didn't even really want it. And then I went into audition and I was like, fuck, I definitely got that. And then she finishes by saying, I didn't want to act anymore. I was like, this isn't what I signed up for. If this is what my opportunities are going to be like, then I'm not that interested in acting. So I was very discouraged and disheartened. I'm not going to say that I blame her too much. (laughs) I've got a lot of strong opinions about this movie, so. That sucks, though. I mean, you know, to somebody could have experienced that much. I mean, some somebody would have taken that role and like cherished it. And then it went to somebody that just didn't really care. Maybe it could, that's part of the reason why this suffers. I don't know. We'll talk about that here in a second. Moving on. Got Kyle Gallner as Quentin, Katie Cassidy as Chris, and Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy Krueger. Um, I'm not going to list anybody else because I don't really feel like anybody else is important in this movie. Those Nobody are, is important in this movie. Those are really the only people. So do you want to guess if this movie is budget or bug Ted? I'm going to assume it's budget. It's definitely budget. Yeah. This movie was made, estimated, on $35 million. Okay. On opening weekend, got 32.9 back. 
and overall it grossed worldwide 115.6 million. So this if and this is an interview I watched a while ago. Mm-hmm. So I hope I'm not speaking incorrectly to my memory. But I believe I saw an interview uh, just where they, because the movie didn't make as much money as they had anticipated. Um, Just kind of, you know, based off of the nostalgia hype and all of that. And somebody asked Robert England why he thought that that happened. And they had just released like a special edition box set of the original Nightmare on Elm Street series, uh, you know, series of films, not the TV show. (laughs) Um, And those movies... Generally, like, the stories, not necessarily the effects or anything, but the stories, actually some of the effects, too, uh, hold up really well, even decades later. So people are going into it with the nostalgia and with this, like, oh, yeah, this thing that I love still holds up today. And then they go in and they see this, and it just is the same but different. Yeah. It's a remake. I don't want to say too much on my thoughts on that just yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk yeah, about but some that's, of this. Yeah, that's so that's theory? kind of, yeah, that's his theory on why this movie didn't do quite as well as it, was, as it was projected to do. This movie did amazing. They were fully prepared and had already ramped up production for a sequel. The only thing that stopped them was the negative backlash they got from critics and fans and everybody. But it fucking, it made bank. Or, well, okay, maybe that's what the problem was then was not necessarily the money was the reaction yeah this movie killed their whole remakes like their whole remake section of horror movies i think maybe they remade other movies but it's definitely credited for that because they like this is the same company that did like the friday the 13th like this is during like the whole high of all the remakes that were going on texas chainsaw massacre halloween you know like all the classics and this one killed it right there okay so that's pretty much what I got in terms of, you know, facts. If there's anything else that I can think of as we're talking about it, okay, I'll throw it in there. All right. But do you want to go ahead and you're dying to give your thoughts. I can tell. Okay. So this this is going to be a long episode, but fuck it. It's the, it's the end of the franchise. It's Fine. a party. Yeah, it's a party. Um, And this is going to be a long rant. I was debating whether I should uh, bring up my points as we go through and discuss it, but I think it's important for me to get them all out right now, and then I can kind of uh, be like, this is what I was talking about before as we go through the movie. So to start off, I'm giving it a two and a half. Okay. I do not like it. The two and a half feels generous, honestly. Wow. I will say I do have a couple of things that I like about it. So I'll go ahead and I'll throw those out there first. I really like the makeup that they did in this. I think they did a good job when, like, the female cast members were crying. There's, like, actual mascara mixed in with their tears. I like that little touch. There's, like, shots with Nancy and her nail polish is all chipped. Just little things like that that, like, add a sense of realism. Like, tiny little details that I appreciate. You know, like, uh, people, when they're crying, their eyes were all puffy. Really good touches. There was only, like, one costuming issue that I had. And I'll talk about it when we get to it. And it's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I was really pleased with that. I like that they, the way they addressed not wanting to go to sleep, uh, it was simply beyond, like, not wanting to die, but just not wanting to experience the nightmares. Because I can relate to that kind of dream trauma. I used to have really bad sleep paralysis. 
So, and it really does make you paranoid about going to sleep. So I like that they explored that aspect of what was happening with the nightmares a little bit more. And I appreciate that they tried to make some changes to the storyline. However, it felt very, hey man, can I copy your homework? Yeah, just change it up a little bit so it doesn't look like you copied it. Like, and I, we know, we know from talking about Black Christmas, I'm not opposed to remakes. I will give them a fair shake. I liked Black Christmas because it felt enough like its own thing. But then there are also movies like, let's say, Funny Games that are shot for shot remakes. And that one was by the same director. And it was by the same director, too. Yeah. So I don't think a remake necessarily has to follow rules of being its own thing or, you know, just revamping it for a newer or different audience. You know, I think... It, it has some flexibility based on what they want to do. But I don't think that whoever was involved in this project had a specific idea of what they wanted to do. It feels very much like they were like, okay, so we're going to tell the same basic story, but we're going to throw the audience off a little bit because we're going to make, uh, we're going to make it seem like Chris is going to be the final girl. And at first it feels like a nice little fake out. Like we see the one character named Nancy, but nobody else is named after any of the original people. And you're like, okay, so, you know, the Nancy character, that's just a wink and a nod to the 1984. We're cool with that. That's fine. We're going to follow Chris along. And then when Chris finally kicks the bucket, 30 whole fucking minutes in, it just kind of feels like what's the point? Because we've had her and Jesse and their whole will they, won't they relationship. You don't really have enough time to get to know them as a couple because we're also unraveling this mystery. And you get the sense that maybe Chris doesn't fully trust her mom, but you only see her talk to her mom like twice. You know, we've got Jesse coming over to comfort her when her mom's away on her trip much like in the original movie, but it's just the two of them in the house. So when Chris actually dies, there's no like plausible deniability. It just seems straight up like Jesse killed him. And it, it takes away from that emotional impact of the rest of the kids being like, oh shit, we're having these same dreams. This does feel very much like it's real because we know he didn't do it, blah, blah, blah. And you don't even have time to feel concerned for him being falsely imprisoned because he immediately dies. And then, on top of all of that, they added in the child sexual assault, which is a tough subject to do in a movie anyway. And I know that it was originally going to be part of the 1984 movie. They made the decision to pull it because of a recent case And I think that was the right decision, not only in terms of being considerate of your community and your audience and things like that, but it also took away some of the heaviness that comes along in a movie about child murders, okay? But this movie, instead of saying, we're going to add that piece back in, they decide that they're going to take the murder piece out. So what happens is that these these parents that go all vigilante on him, that they decide they're going to go burn Fred Krueger, they're burning him because their children were assaulted in the most heinous way they could be. 
They survived. They're repressing these memories. They're going. They're taking their vengeance. That's what's happening. Then the parents wipe their hands clean of all of it. They pretend it never happened. Whereas in the original, children were being murdered. And then the Elm Street parents gathered up in an act of vengeance for those slain children and their parents and in an act of protection for their own children went after Frederick and they killed him. So when Frederick comes back all those years later and starts killing the Elm Street children in the 1984 original, it is a sense of really dark, twisted irony because the parents killed him to save their own children's lives. And on top of that, we have the emotional trauma because these parents, and I've talked about the shitty parenting in Elm Street, but it makes sense because they murdered a man and as righteous as they felt like it was, it's still something that will eat away at a person that is not a sociopath. And that has impacted their relationship with their children. But no matter what happened, they kept telling themselves, my children are alive because of me. My children are alive because of me. And it hurt the relationships that they had with their kids. Their kids don't trust them. So when all this stuff starts happening, the parents are like, no, 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 no. We didn't go through all of this just for our children to start dying in their sleep. No, we did. We took care of it. We took care of the problem. We do not have these same relationships in the 2010 remake because they made such a major change. And it really feels like the change was only made to make it seem grittier. It doesn't feel like it wanted to tell any kind of a real storyline with that because they had this whole other fucking bullshit ass little plot line of, oh, well, maybe the kids were lying about it. It invalidates trauma. And then it also, it, it, so Frederick's coming back and he's taking vengeance on kids that he are, he's victimizing them twice. The parents don't even have to be a part of this equation and they honestly may as well not be. They are such nothing players in this. And as much as I appreciate the fact that the remake got, oh yeah, well, Elm Street has shitty parents. Um, they didn't get why the parents were shitty, correct, <laughs> in it. So yeah, I, uh, it, it's just, it's much more mean-spirited and it's a lot less focused and it has much less emotional impact despite the fact that it went at some heavier topics. That's my spiel. It's kind of let you take the floor for that one. <laughs> that, I feel like I'm in trouble with that tone that you've been talking at me with. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is like not directed at me, but you're talking at me right now. So disappointed. I just, I went for like eight minutes just now, didn't I? Yeah, you went for a really long time, dude. This was basically a one person show there. Sorry. Do you want to take over the rest of the episode? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. All right. Counterpoint. It's all right. This movie's all right. That's all I got to say about it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no okay what what yeah. what would you rate it um okay i know that i'm coming in on this one as the defender of it i feel like that's you know mostly because you hate it way more than i do i went into this thing i remembered it being somewhat decent i don't remember it being 
a terrible movie. I watched it in theaters, you know, back in 2010. I was like 17 or something whenever it came out. So, you know, good time. You know, I was getting to go watch these horror movies out in theaters now. That was, you know, kind of cool. So, uh, but watching it now, I appreciate them wanting to take the character and try and like bring it back down to like, you know, something that's more sinister than what it became like you know just like a wacky you know 80s slasher you know they were just making jokes left and right but um i also kind of agree that there's a reason why they shied away from it originally so it is a little bit weird having that be like such a main part of this even though like the subtext was there to begin with you know i feel like that's all you need you don't need to go into that anymore but i don't know like I, I don't know. I, I appreciate their effort to try and just darken it up a little bit because that's something that I felt like was missing. That's something that I kind of said repeatedly throughout the series as we watched each one. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just getting too crazy. But, um, yeah, like, that was their... That was, I'm entirely sure, like, their... What they wanted to do. You said that they had no objective. That was their objective. They took the same exact movie and they just decided to, like, make it darker is what yeah, they were trying to do. What I mean when I say they didn't have an objective, I meant they had didn't have an objective in their storytelling. Making it darker is not telling a story. No, what I mean they were just banking on the original story just working with darker tones to it, I think. Which, you know, it doesn't really. I don't really think that this is a good movie. Uh it's it's definitely my least favorite. And it's one that like I was trying to think about it separately. Like, okay, imagine a world where it perish the thought imagine a world without the 1984 nightmare on elm street you know would i watch this movie what would i think of it and i still think i would have some of these same points where i'm like i don't necessarily want to watch a movie where a child molester comes back from the grave to kind of perpetually hold captive his victims and yeah re-victimize them it's like extra psychological like, yeah fuckery going on with them i'll i want to say some good things about this movie though because i don't think it's all bad i, I said good things i know but i want to say some good things okay okay <laughs> you haven't given your rating yet i'm not there yet okay that's okay. at the end i'm, I'm doing sorry. mine at the I, end not okay. the beginning okay <laughs> uh my bad i think that i don't think that the freddy this one is bad really mm-hmm. i think that he's a good freddy they got a good actor for it this guy i don't know if you've seen any of the other stuff that he's been in have you ever watched watchmen no i i know he's Warshak though yeah he's so good in that that's like the highlight character of the entire movie and he does a really good job in this too like he, it's tough shoes to big fill shoes to fill yeah it, it's not like with the with the friday the 13th where there were so many different jasons throughout it's like every and- other yeah. Movie slasher. Like, this is the only one that yeah. actually kept somebody throughout. And Robert England wasn't bitter about it either. He was he like he was happy it went to him because he also thought he's a good actor. Yeah, no, know? I think he 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 did really good stuff with what he was given to work with. Yeah. Um He genuinely creeped me out. I you know, and really I feel like that's the only good thing I can think of. Like I I don't feel like anything else benefits from this remake. There's so many remakes out there. I, I'm also pro-remake. Some of them are better than originals. That's just how it is. Hills Have Eyes. 
That remake is fucking amazing. That's such a good remake. And I... I watched the original. The original is not that good. I'm sorry. I, that's another Wes Craven property. You can do Wes Craven better. I like different aspects of both of those. I feel like we've talked about this, but I like different aspects of the original versus the remake of Hills Have Eyes. I like the opening of the original a lot better because I feel like it makes more sense. I don't remember the opening. Yeah. Well, unless I have it backwards. Maybe I like the opening of the remake and the rest of the original better. I don't know. I want to I wanna Frankenstein them together one way or the other. I can't remember which way it is, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's, you know, yeah, remakes are, you can do them yeah. well. And I'm going to end just by saying I think I'd give this, like, a four. Okay. Like, I mean, it's not terrible. It has some things to it. Like, it's... It's when there's no CGI, I feel like it's like a visually decent looking movie. Like they do a good job of capturing the darkness of it. You know, they try and like set the atmosphere right. But yeah, anytime CGI is involved, it just goes out the window. Oh, well, we all have plenty of opportunities to talk about that. Yeah, we do. All right. So we're starting off with an average of uh, 3.25. Okay. That sounds about right. Yeah. All right. (laughs) All right. So we start off at the Springwood Diner. A guy, who we find out is named Dean, asks the ser- the server, Nancy, for some more coffee. She ignores him. She keeps walking. He follows along behind her, because goddammit, he wants some coffee. And uh, Travis, did you ever play The Sims? Yeah, of course. Did you ever set your kitchen on fire and take away the fire extinguisher? Everybody did. Okay, well, that's what's <laughs> happening in the diner kitchen. Yeah, there's a full-blown fire going on on the <laughs> stovetop over there, and nobody really cares because the whole place is empty. Uh, Nancy, in real life, ends up actually waking him up. He has a cut on his hands from where uh, Frederick managed to slash at him right before he woke up. So, you know, back on this bullshit again. Yeah. I read that this guy, by the way, he actually stayed awake for a couple of days just to like get in character for this. Even though he's barely in this movie, just for this, he's like, I'm going to fucking do this right. You know what? Good on him. He, this is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie is this stuff in the diner. Really? Yeah. I guess that's the best tone for the movie. It's different from... It's nothing from the original, and it is like very Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, yeah, it's, like it, it's a good hook to get you into it. So... Chris comes in. She's uh she's talking to Dean. She's trying to see what's up with him and he's just like, you know, uh I'm tired. <laughs> and she's like, "Well, buddy, I got a solution for that." Coffee? Uh we see at the next table there's a group of guys. Uh one of them is Quentin. He's super into Nancy, but uh I got a nickname for these guys. Okay. The Emo Trio. Okay. I feel it. Because they're definitely emo boys. This is like big in the height of the emo trend back then. Well, as I wrote in my note, uh, Quentin, big into Nancy. He has a beanie and a v-neck. That's all you need to know about Quentin. That That's his entire personality, That's actually. his character, yeah. that's That sums up his character. That's his entire <laughs> he movie. He has a beanie and a v-neck, and then he has a beanie and a Joy Division t-shirt. He does do Joy Division. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, we see that Jesse, one of the other guys at the table, one of the other members of the trio, he is upset. 
because Chris broke up with him, and now he sees her talking to Dean, and he's big mad and storms away and throws a bunch of money on the table, which Nancy's okay with because, you know, that's tip money. Yeah. So Dean is trying to say those dreams are real, and Chris is like, no, dreams are dreams. They're not real. And he's like, no, you don't understand. And then as he's wildly gesturing, he spills some coffee on her. So she gets up to go clean herself up. And while she's doing that, he falls asleep and sees Frederick appear in his dream. And he's holding a knife to his throat. And he's like, you're not real. You're not real. You're not real. Meanwhile, Chris has come back in the awake world and sees uh, Dean just standing on the table with a knife to his own throat shouting, you're not real. You're not real. You're not real. And then he slits his own throat. And it's a, you know, fucking intense way to start off the movie. Yeah, they do a really good job with that, too. Like, that is a scene where the effects looked really well. Or really good. <laughs> they looked well. I don't know. They did a good job with that one. Like, I, I don't know how much practical they did or if they did any at all. I feel like that would have been practical if, if anything was in this movie. Yeah, like I said, it's probably, like, the best scene in the movie for me anyway. Yeah. Uh, so we go to the funeral, and Chris has the nice little mascara marks going down her face. It's just a touch I appreciate. Like, it, it's it's real. Um, she sees a little girl, uh, and she's wearing, you know, the white collared blue dress that we have come to associate with the jump ropey girls of the franchise. And uh, we, we learn that it's her as a child because they've got pictures set up from, you know, when Dean was a child and she sees pictures of herself and she's like, I didn't think I even met Dean until we were in high school. So that's a little creepy. That's a very creepy like thing to just come across like that. Yeah. So Nancy is in her room after the funeral. She is asleep. And then we get... So there's a scene in the original... Where Frederick like pushes on the wall and it's super creepy. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, what if we did it in CGI? And I say, no. Because it's terrible. It looks <sighs> so bad. I can't remember how good this was back whenever I watched this. Because you with things like this, they age very poorly. CGI is very like very much in the time type thing. Yeah. It, so whenever you mix it with practical effects, that's usually good. But purely CGI is not. This is pure CGI, I'm pretty sure. Because it's just like a really bad looking Freddy. Because well, you don't get... So with the practical effect where you've got like, you know, some sort of sheet or whatever draped and you push through it, you get that tension well, from it. Well, you get reality yeah, from it. It looks real. Yeah, it looks like a bending like... Okay, so you can tell that that's a real wall, but that's not how real walls behave. Whereas this, it's just like... It's animation. Yeah, it's Courage the Cowardly Dog shit. I, like... <laughs> I Courage? <laughs> it sounds like I'm calling it dog shit. Um... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it just... I I don't like the effect of it. No, and that's not the... I think that one is likely one of the worst defenders in the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, we see Chris. She's looking through a photo album. A bunch of her childhood photos are missing, which uh, never makes a parent look suspicious. <laughs> she asked her mom about it, and her mom's like, who can even remember being five? And it was like, lots of people. I have plenty of memories of being five years old. How old were you in your earliest memory, Travis? I think I was two. Yeah, I was like two or three, so... Yeah, but it's very hazy back then. Yeah, it's and hazy. And I don't really remember, but like... But, like, 
Her mom is like almost trying to completely gaslight her. She was like, you were never five, honey. Yeah. Like, what you... are you talking about? <laughs> you didn't exist during those years. Yeah. Like you 2007. Can't... Yeah. There's nothing there. You finally came back in 2008. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, again, they have the shitty parents of Elm Street. I just feel like they hurt the relationship by the changes they made in the story. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so Chris goes to the garage to look. This is the only instance where I'm bothered by wardrobing. And it's because she's got like it. Uh, the rest of the outfit, I like it makes sense. She's got like sweatpants and Ugg boots. Very of the time. Makes sense. Super 2010. She's got like a tank top and then a hoodie, a zip up hoodie on. But she's got the zip up hoodie is like off her shoulder on one side. And like I've got loose sweaters and sweatshirts that'll like hang off a shoulder but it's completely different than when you have a zipper because the zipper part of it makes it less comfortable and she's like sitting there like climbing a ladder with it hanging off her shoulder that's the only moment where i was like this is the most unrealistic wardrobe choice that could have been made yeah i didn't really catch that <laughs> i think i overanalyzed those things but it's fine uh when she goes uh she gets up into the, like the garage attic space she finds a box with a creepy ass doll and a torn dress in it then the lights go out frederick attacks her but she wakes up sweaty in bed dun, dun, dun. yeah uh, uh, i feel like some of these parts are not that bad either like the early ones like where it's him like that scene felt very generic yeah, I mean, it's kind of by the numbers, but it's not, like, compared to everything else in this movie, I don't really feel like it does a bad job of, like... like we you, start off on a high point and the rest is downhill. You can tell whenever shit is getting real because it makes that drastic... The atmosphere changes, like, in an instant, which I think is something that is kind of impressive, really. Yeah, I think um, there's a scene later on after they've, like, talked about micro-naps and stuff, and you see the, like tone like the color tone of the movie like, yeah switches back exactly. and forth which i thought was cool because that's always been a running motif in the movies that you have like a different color palette for yeah. dreams versus wake see i mean there's like little things like that that you know this movie does benefit from yeah uh so in school the next day in the hallway uh quentin tries badly to flirt with nancy um, he like almost negs himself. Yeah. Like he's like, I know there's like a thousand other people you could talk to, Nancy. Because you're so cool and so <laughs> pretty and so popular. I'm like, you know, maybe if you ever wanted to talk to me, you know, maybe. He doesn't even say that. He's like, you. There's like a thousand different people here to talk to, and um, you could totally talk to people. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm a person. I don't. He's, we do never answer this question throughout leads, the movie either. We never find out if Quentin's a person. It leads to like an existential crisis later it's on like, in the movie. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in class, Chris falls asleep. Uh, she's like flips through her textbook and sees like a drawing of the glove, which I think was kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, then, uh. The this rest of the stupid. class, yeah, the rest of the class disappears and we get a bunch of CGI ash floating like, through. And it changes. This is like a not good way to change the atmosphere. It's just, yeah, yeah it's bad. I'm not a, I, I don't know. Frederick is the teacher and I don't know. I like the school scenes in like, I want to say it's like parts five and six, four and five. 
My favorite part of the school scene is the one where he's in the (laughs) he's in the stall. Oh, (laughs) and the 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 cheer one, yeah. Cheerleader just bursts in. He's just he doesn't say a word. He just just sits there. I love that. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so she she uh he gets real close to her and cuts off a piece of her hair. She screams awake, and the teacher's like, "Fuck, bro." That's cliche. (laughs) That stuff is cliche. I hate that stuff. Like the screaming in class and like you know waking up like oh it's a dream, and everybody's like oh are you okay whatever like I don't know that's played out that's super played out yeah also like okay so the school counselor is Quentin's dad and he was at the funeral telling all the kids like hey we're gonna have you know like office hours and a memorial and we're gonna do all this stuff at school apparently that memo was not passed along to the teacher because the teacher's like oh hey yeah you're friends with the dead kid uh what what the fuck is your problem bro like (laughs) yeah shitty shitty people shitty adults yeah Um, he's definitely got a child that goes to the school because only parents on elm street can be this shitty yeah definitely (laughs) okay so when Chris goes home, Rufus is outside. I like they also they introduce this dog to kill him in a dream and then we never find out what happens to him in real life. Yeah, I don't understand that. Like wh- what's the point? What did this movie get from that? It it's totally unnecessary. Get to upset people by killing a dog. They're like, "Hey, this movie deals with some really heavy topics. How can we make it worse?" I guess that is part of it. They're trying to darken it. And they're like, oh, "We're killing everything." Well, listen, Talia, Rufus was only killed in the dream. Awake, Rufus survived. It's a dog actor, Talia. We always have to tell her about yeah. this. Dog she's, actors are good actors. She's in the corner whining about us talking about this. <laughs> Uh, her mom is like a flight attendant, I think. Yeah, I think so. And she's like, I've got an overnight red eye to London. Are you going to be okay home alone? And uh, she's like, yeah, no, I'm fine. It's all cool. And then Jesse bursts into her bedroom that night. And he's like, we have this, uh, you know, the moment you have to have in every single Nightmare on Elm Street movie. where she's Not just like, Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven. What are you are you talking about the window thing? No, that's what I'm talking about. No, okay. I was gonna say no because he's like checking in on her and he's like, I, "What's going on? What was going on with you and Dean? Why are you so upset? Like, why did seeing your friend kill himself in front of you? Why are you so upset about that, man? I just feel like you could be sucking my dick." Um, but she's like, "Well, no, he was having these dreams and now I'm having them too." And then they say it in unison about a man with knives on his hands. Yeah, it's every single film. That's, that's how right. that's how you know you're you, you've been dreaming of Frederick. I guess I wasn't expecting his character to like immediately do a one eighty because you're expecting him to be like this asshole that you're supposed to hate the rest of the movie because of how he came off from the very beginning. He just came off as like this jealous, paranoid asshole. I mean, that's pretty much how he dies too. Uh, well, kind of. Like, I mean, he doesn't really do anything bad after this. He, like... So after that, they, like, decide... She's basically just telling him, Oh, boy, you're motioning oh, me to stop. Oh, he does do something bad after this. I, and I'm not saying bad, like, bad. I'm saying he makes bad decisions. Like running away? Breaking into somebody else's room covered in blood. <laughs> what the fuck was Nancy gonna do to help him? 
<laughs> he just like busts in through the window. He's like, "Whoa, what the fuck? Whoa, what the <laughs> hell happened to you?" He's like, "I don't know. I'm covered in blood. Like, I don't know what to do." The original Kool Aid Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, "Oh, you gotta get the fuck out of here." He's like, "Fuck!" <laughs> so he just runs right into the cops. Yeah, and that's pretty much how that scene plays out. Because so Let's Chris gets it. no. I mean. Chris gets killed in the exact same way that Tina gets killed in the first one. Yeah, so Except this Except it's just a, Chris and Jesse in the house alone. So when Jesse goes running because he's freaked out, he's being loud as shit at 2 a.m. And the neighbors are like, hey, I'm going to call the fucking cops. And Jesse's like, I know what I'll do. I'll go to Nancy. Yeah, but this is like another one. It's taking the, the kill from the original one. Which yeah. was a very impressive kill at the time, and they like CGI'd it up. And instead of her being like drug up around the walls and stuff uh, like yeah. that, she's just being flung back and forth. It's like a ping pong type thing. Yeah, it it really looks like a cheap magic show. And, yeah, it's really bad. And then and I think, again, like I said, because it's not like the full sleepover with the whole group of friends, and they're like on the other side of the door. There's no plausible deniability. You know what I mean? No, but yeah, he like they had to make him incriminate himself some way i I mean mean, his dna would have been there but you know but we get that in the original just by the fact that rob was in there with tina like even though nancy was like hey no there's no way that this happened that way like you know da 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 no i know what you're saying it's because they're they're alone although i do want to say another piece that they carried over is that they gave jesse the same guy liner that rod had not quite as intense but he still had his that's, skyliner. That's fully because he's just like, you he's know, emo kid. One third of the emo trio. Yeah, exactly. That's a big part of it. Yeah. So then we have. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We've got another scene that they steal from the original with Nancy in the bathtub, except it's not nearly as cool. Um, I mean, you can't really fuck that one up. All it is oh, is. Oh, no. Just I thought the that said Nancy drowning. It's Nancy drawing. That's yeah, when Jesse pops up. Okay, sorry. I'm like way too far. We're right here where okay. she is. She's in her room. She's just like an, she's okay. an artist. She's yeah, an no. illustrator. Okay, she's so drawing. Jesse's been arrested. Yes. Yeah. That, no, I was like literally just trying to talk through where I'm at in my notes. Okay. Um. So after Jesse's been arrested, Nancy calls Quentin. Um. And we see like little shots of Jesse at jail and he's like, fucking pissing off his cellmate who is the same guy that plays the mechanic in final destination four or the final destination aka the 3d one so travis spotted that good eye the one that everybody hates yeah no oh i don't i don't hate it everybody else hates it except for us (laughs) uh so quentin does some uh, he does some internet research on sleep deprivation through a website called no. Gigablast. And f- throughout the rest of this episode, anytime they look up anything online, it's referred to as Gigablasting. Yeah. So he Gigablasts sleep deprivation. That's what it, it's being blasted. And he like does the full research method and uh, decides that he's going to fall asleep right there in the bookstore himself. Uh, he sees a he sees a kid. Probably himself as a child, presumably, because that's how dreams work in this movie. Uh, but then Nancy shows up. We go back to the jail real quick, and um, a 
guard, whatever the proper term is, uh, tells Jesse that his parents posted bail. But when he goes into the hall, all of a sudden he's all alone and the lights go out in the hall. And uh, now it's the boiler room. And then uh, Frederick, uh, Frederick bullies him for quite a while. Uh, he's just like, he's just mean. This is one of uh, the more interesting deaths, if you ask me. Because, yeah, he's kind of tormenting him a little bit. And then he like ultimately just sticks his hand through his abdomen and he's dead right there in front of his cellmate. But then he has him hanging. You go back to the dream world. You think he's dead, but Freddy's basically just telling him, the brain stays active for seven minutes after you've died. We've got six more minutes to have fun. Which is that's it's fucking. Fucked up. That, I mean, that's really good though. Like, yeah, I'm gonna give that some good credit. He and he's strung up next to Chris and Dean too. So it's yeah. almost like there's a whole collection. It's it's disturbing. Uh, Nancy and Quentin talk. They uh they talk about the Pied Piper, which is just funny because we watched uh, Ice Cream Man last weekend. Which uh, fucking loves the use of Pied Piper. Ice Cream Man was not the type of movie I expected it no, to be. No, it's not what I expected it to be either. Uh, they talk about sleep deprivation. So after 70 hours of being awake, the brain forces micro naps, and then you eventually go into a coma. So I kind of like this change that they made from the original, where it's just like, oh, well, the longest record of staying awake was 12 days, I think. Um, so I like that this aspect, like, that your body does eventually force certain things upon you. And I like that it's the movie's going to use this to its advantage. And then the coma thing does come up later. Hmm. Uh, so at home, Nancy's mom uh, talks at her. <laughs> Nancy asks her if she know if she knew anybody else uh, from from her little group as children. She was like, you know. Chris and Dean and Quentin, like, I feel like I met them all in middle school, but did I know them before then? And uh, Gwen calls somebody afterwards, and she's like, Nancy's beginning to remember. Also, Gwen's apparently a doctor. I don't know what kind of a doctor, but... Yeah, she plays a different type of mom in this one. She's not really an alcoholic. She's actually the most level-headed adult out of all of them because you see in the flashback she is the one that's trying to stop people from doing anything to begin with. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. but We'll I mean, talk about that when we get to it. Okay. Uh, high horse. Gwen has a high horse. That's yeah, you think same. so? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so Nan- this is where Nancy recreates the bath scene. She sets an alarm on her, her razor Motorola Razor. Which is feels dated for 2010. It is. We had the Razor in Black Christmas, which to, was 2006. Yeah. And, like, I, I mean, I had an iPhone at this time. Oh. Or I had just maybe, like, no, actually, it was a little bit later. I, I had not quite had the iPhone at this point. I think I still had my Riser. Well, what are you giving them shit for? <laughs> I. You ten- didn't even have a Razor. <laughs> It was the British version, except instead of a flip, it was a slider phone. Yeah, because it rises to the occasion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) So they don't, we don't get the full drowning scene in the bathtub like we do in the original. Instead, um, 
we see her like get out of the bathtub and she goes into her bedroom but it's snowing uh, and she sees frederick and he uh he calls her his number one and then he licks her neck yeah and this is a very sick scene but it's worth mentioning before she went into the school building she saw the name of the place it's bedham school it's bedham or something it's like bedham elementary but it's like it's a preschool yeah okay so she knows of the place now so she wakes up she giga blasts bedham and in doing so she finds all these pictures of all the kids that she had been dreaming about she calls quentin to uh or no, Quentin calls her to let her know that Jesse's dead, and uh, he's gonna come over because she's you know giga blasted about Bedham, and then he leaves a note that just says, <laughs> "Dad went to Nancy's," and <laughs> you just sat there on the couch and you're like, "Quentin, your dad didn't go to Nancy's," and I was like just imagining Quentin's mom coming into the room and seeing the note and being like, "Who the fuck is Nancy?" <laughs> I just imagine him walking in and being like, "No, I didn't." <laughs> Uh, so Nancy and Quentin go through old pictures that they managed to find. Uh, Gwen yells because she wanted Nancy to uh, forget about her childhood. So here's where I have some issues right away is that did none of these parents get their children therapy of uh, any sort? All of these children just repressed this memory. This whole group of 20 kids yeah. repressed their memories. No therapy at all. No. Fucking hell, man. Dude, I mean, you saw the group, though. Like, This isn't the type of... These are not the parents that are going to trust the system because they immediately... Their first thought was to just kill this guy. So that's already strike one against Dr. Gwen, though. And I remember this. The uh, one of the dads, I think it's Quentin's dad, said, we can't have them go up on the stand and talk about this shit publicly, you know, kind of ruining their names, like having their names struck through the mud or whatever. That's one of the reasons why he wanted to do it. This is why we need some reforms in the laws, because I know uh, in other countries, if a minor's involved in, like, a case like this, their name gets left off the record. Yeah, I don't think that's an American thing. Yeah, well, that's why I said we need reforms. No, I know. I'm just, like, because I feel like anytime anything like this happens, like, you hear all the names. Yeah, but, so she tells the story about Frederick Krueger, who was a gardener. Gardener. Yeah, they cha- he was um, a janitor before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a gardener at the preschool, and they so that he's really good with the kids. And then you see all of these, like, flashbacks of, like, yeah, no, he's been acting really weird lately. And you see, like, a tiny child of Nancy being like, he's got this secret cave, and it's just, ah, you well, Not only that, but you see, like, the scratch marks on her back, too. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's really gross. It's so, yeah. So not only is Gwen forcing her daughter to live through these like again, this is where therapy would she, be really good. Yeah, therapy for this moment. Yeah, but, for this moment. Yeah. But it's extra irresponsible because it's not just Nancy. Quentin is also sitting right there. Yeah. <sighs> They're still kids. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what you'd do in this situation. Like, she's been trying to keep it from them this entire time. She's tried lying. She's tried removing everything. Therapy. Yeah, I know, but like... Quentin's dad is a counselor at the school. He's a counselor. That's true. Why why ain't he counseling? 
I don't know. I guess he just doesn't want to fucking deal with it. <sighs> he probably was taught by Dr. Loomis. Yeah, no, let's not drag him into this. <laughs> but I I mean, at a certain point, like, I don't know. She's she's tried her best, and they've, like, giga-blasted all this information. They've got her back into the corner. I don't know what else she's going to do in this moment. I, like, nothing on Blast said anything about, like, hey, you were traumatically molested. No, I guess that's true. You didn't need to throw that part in there. I mean, that was specifically, like, what you just said. Like, Quentin's dad didn't want that to be on their records. Yeah. So they vigilante justice, justiced him. They vigilante his ass. Yeah. They vigilante. They vigilante'd. We're just deconstructing the Yeah, we are. Here. Yeah, that's what's <laughs> happening. Okay. So Nancy decides that she's going to research the other kids in the class photo on Gigablast. <laughs> she finds that some of them died mysterious deaths. Uh, in the meantime, like as she, like in this little research montage, we see uh, swim team practice. And this is the scariest part of the movie is imagining being a teenager and having to wear a speedo at school <laughs> yeah sucks for them <laughs> uh, so yeah we see flashbacks to the vigilante parents we've already talked about okay so here's the thing the vigilante parents they have chased frederick to this industrial complex they are shouting at him they're doing mob justice up against the wall and then they go to get different tools and then gwen's like no there has to be a better way Stop! Don't! Oh! You think she's that half-hearted about it? Yeah, cause she joined them all the way up to this point. She was fine. What did she think was gonna happen? I don't know. I mean, clearly she doesn't have enough power to stop it, though. Whatever it is. She was like, "Oh, there's gotta be a better way." Stop batting your eyes at me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Like I. I mean, you can speak to a fucking mob and try and calm them down, but history has shown that that is not exactly how mob behavior works. If you get a mob riled up, one person she is not going to be able to stop them. She was part of the mob. She was at that point. She was right there, but maybe she like followed them to try and de-escalate the situation. She could have called the cops. I I'm sorry. I just I don't buy I don't buy that she was against this vigilanteism. I I don't know, man. I think the it gets a little bit complicated for people whenever you involve you know, Stop things like this. Stop trying to defend Gwen. I'm just trying to bring a rational explanation to some of the decisions that some of these characters are doing. I understand well, see, that they do shitty things. You're looking for logic where logic doesn't exist. I understand that they do some shitty things in this, but I think that there are some reasonable decisions behind some of these actions. I don't think it's all because they're shitty. I think that some of these people legitimately had the best interests in mind for their kids they just were not good about doing these things they did not make the right decisions i mean you can say that about the rest of the parents too not just gwen yeah i mean that's true yeah but you know they their whole action was a little bit more fucked up no gwen was a willing participant okay uh anyway the kid that's drowning at swim practice gets resuscitated the Uh, kid is quentin no, it was another kid. No, this is Quentin. Was it really Quentin? This is Quentin. I thought it was a kid from like another one of the because she's going through the names. Quentin is there, like in the dream, reliving all of this. It's Quentin. 
He's on the swim team for whatever reason. I don't know why. He doesn't seem like the type to like join organized sports. But I didn't recognize him without his beanie or V-neck. He had his swim cap on. That's basically a swim beanie. It's too. It's not loose enough. It's too tight. It's because he was actually happy. He didn't look <laughs> sad in the scene because he was doing what he loved for once. He loved swimming. He was made for the sea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but he wasn't happy when he drowned, and then he immediately went to Sad Boy whenever he was in the dream and saw death happening. Hey, Travis. Yeah. What's a pirate's favorite letter? C. Well, you just ruined the joke, man. <laughs> R. R, you'd think it'd be, but his first love was the C. Mm, I didn't see that one coming. I hate you all. <laughs> okay, That's so good. anyway, Nancy finds a vlog of somebody else that they went to preschool with. and uh, It's Marcus Yon. And he's just, uh, you, you know. You, uh, you wanted something fun about this? Sure. We'll be seeing this guy next week. Wait, he's in Friday? Yes. Is he like a major character? He's part of the whole group. Okay. It's well, Chewy. I guess, okay, I guess major character is a loose term in a Friday movie, but. He makes it to close to the end. Okay. He does a good job. He's one of the stoners, I think. Okay. Yeah, but he's just basically talking about how he's had these dreams and he feels like he's going crazy. And like, I don't know if he didn't. If Frederick hasn't killed him, he's into QAnon by now. Like, his brain's just that fried. You think so? Yeah. Hmm. Hey, you know what this from? I'm not so- saying trauma forces you into QAnon. I'm just saying, like, he's, like, sought out the weird corners of the internet as a refuge. Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, it's this things where you see people, like, kind of deteriorate, their mind deteriorating, like, right before you on yeah. messages they post. Also, the way that he dies, like, he kind of does the thing where he, like, slams his face into... Yeah, you know what? Have you ever seen that video of the person doing the? Yeah, I know. That's exactly what I thought of when we saw that. Yeah, that's probably where they got that idea from. Okay, so Quentin confronts his dad with Nancy in tow. Uh, I mean, it's really kind of an anticlimactic confrontation. Um, Well, no, I think they're all ramped up. Yeah, so uh, Quentin says that they got Frederick killed with our stories. Our lies. Where the fuck did this come from? Where the fuck did he get this idea that they made up this story? That a group didn't, of four-year-olds banded together to... Um, Didn't the mom... Actually, this is kind of fucked up. Didn't she kind of like plant some kind of idea in their head that it was just like... Them filling in the blanks or something? Or over-exaggerating? Like, no, there's, he was, she was saying that they're just nightmares. Why they keep dreaming of him like that. And then he saw that, so now he thinks that they lied about it. But that doesn't really make much sense because one of them saw the scars on their back. Yeah, and it also, like, it fucking minimizes what they went through. Like, this is a common thing, too, especially with, I, I can't speak to childhood sexual assault, but sexual assault in general, like, it's so common for it to be like, well, was it really what you're saying it is? Are you sure you're not blowing it out of proportion? Like, it's such a fucking bullshit response that survivors get, and it pisses me off that it's just thrown in there. Yeah. To, like, maybe have this twist at the end, but it's not even a twist. Yeah, I mean, I, that, there's really no doubt that 
Yeah. Like, all this stuff has really been happening. Like, everything that we've seen leads us to believe that. And there's even him coming up with this. I don't really buy it at yeah. all. Um, Nancy has the body bag dream in the hall. It's it's not as creepy as in the original. No, it's it's way worse. Uh, Quentin and Nancy go to the pharmacy. He's trying to get his stay awake pills, but he doesn't have any more refills. Nancy's attacked in the truck while she's waiting, so she ends up burning herself with the cigarette lighter. You remember cigarette lighters? Yeah. Those, those aren't in cars anymore. I know. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Nancy goes inside, but because she's having uh, micro naps, like Frederick's attacking her. And this, it's not funny that she gets attacked, but it's funny that Quentin goes, oh, no, let me help you. And he rips open a box of bandages, picks her up without bandaging her, and takes her to the hospital. He didn't have a plan. I think he was just pissed at the pharmacist for not refilling his prescription. Yeah, which you were <laughs> making a lot of remarks saying, no, it's fair. Like, you don't need to do that. I, he's out of refills. I get it. The man yeah. could lose his license. Exactly. I'm on the pharmacist side here. I am too. Yeah. I mean, come on, Q. Uh, so in the hospital, Nancy tells her mom that it was Frederick Krueger that attacked her. And her mom's like, oh, no. And uh, Quentin easily, easily finds a drawer filled with epinephrine and steals a bunch. Uh, Nancy doesn't want the painkiller that the nurse tries to give her because it would put her to sleep. And the nurse pulls her out into the hall and she's like, hey, Gwen, sign this form. Says we can give your daughter her, uh, her painkiller. She needs to be sedated. And, uh, Nancy's all, I don't want to be sedated. I fucked up that song. I just fucked it up. (laughs) It's okay. I wrote that in my notes too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So... When her mom, after her mom signs it, she goes back in, but Nancy's gone. Uh, we see Quentin shoot himself with the EpiPen. They drive and they talk. They bond a little bit. They, uh, they're trying to keep each other awake by telling each other They're trying to keep each other awake, stuff. and then they become a little bit trauma bonded. They're going to smooch later because of all of this. So who knows if she, it's real feelings of or not. All of the thousands yeah. of people to talk mm-hmm. to, she's talking to him. Yeah, exactly. Uh they uh they end up crashing in a field because they see Frederick in the road and they kind of wander in and out of dreams and they wind up at the old preschool. Frederick has led them there. Uh, they go downstairs, they find his room and his secret cave which has the blades and a mattress. A mattress and well, some pictures. So they find like a bulletin board and they're trying to find the little cave that she was talking about in a dream and I guess I think that there are drawings that she did as a kid mm-hmm. and she knows that that's like, you know, he's her or she's his favorite. So she goes over there and tears it down. Either he does or she does. I can't remember who does. But yeah, they find it his little matter. secret room where he's got more of his torture shit and he's got the mattress and he's got all that shit. So it's fucked up. But they decide to do the whole thing. I don't remember why they how they came to this idea, but she's going to sleep and he has to watch her and then they're going to pull him back into the real world because that's what you do in all these movies. That's what happens in every single Nightmare on Elm Street movie, basically. And the same thing that happens in every other movie happens here in that Quentin also falls asleep. Yeah. He gets got a little bit. Uh, Nancy and Frederick have their chase scene. She ends up falling through a ceiling onto a bed. It's like the reverse bed swallow. Yeah. 
Um, Which, th- at least they did a little bit different with that, you know? Yeah. I, I felt like a homage yeah. while not trying to imitate. Frederick, to, again, keeping in with the uh, rape culture narrative, says, uh, oh, well, your words are saying no, but your body is saying yes. Yeah, and he's on top of her. Yeah, it's getting bad. But Quentin is awake now. He also took a paper cutter and just tore it off. So he's got like a little makeshift machete now. Well, so his whole thing was that he wanted Nancy to stay awake long enough to reach the point where she'd be in a coma, permanent sleep. Basically, he wanted her to be a captive victim. Yeah, exactly. Trapped in a coma. And it's fucked up. Yeah. And it's dark in a way that doesn't feel entertaining as a movie audience. It just feels icky. Yeah, I mean, that's super disturbing. Um, but luckily, like you said, Quentin wakes up. He shoots Nancy with an EpiPen. And she pulls Frederick out of the dream. They attack him. Cut off his hand, like you said, with a makeshift uh, weapon. Um, and then they... Of all, all the movies to homage, they homage uh, Freddy versus Jason. You're in my world now, bitch. <laughs> yeah. uh, then they cut his throat, and then they set the room on fire. And then uh, we see first responders uh, putting out the fire and taking Quentin and Nancy to the hospital. But then uh, back at 1428 Elm Street, as Nancy and Gwen walk into the house, they have their mother-daughter moment and frederick gets gwen yeah they do this one a little bit differently too it's in a mirror in the house instead of through the door this time yeah so he's just like it becomes her reflection and pulls her through the mirror uh not as good as the original one all right yeah. people hate the original one because well, it just it, obviously um, is a blow-up doll well that's what i like about it <laughs> i talked about it in our episode about it i i feel like that adds a little bit to like the surreal nature of the dream world you know yeah but yeah, that's the end of that one. You don't sound like you're having a good time with this I'm one. I'm not. I'm not. I love these movies, and this remake took some of the stuff out of it that I love. Like I said, the complexities of the relationship dynamics that are going on. Um, and it's not like... I. So, if you're listening to this, presumably you're a horror fan, so you understand that I don't mean this in a sick, fucked up way when I say, like, I want the lighthearted version of this movie, you know, the nightmare on Elm Street of yore, where where it's just simply about childhood murder. <laughs> it doesn't even really become about childhood murder later on. It's yeah. just, like, teenagers, like, basically adults at that point. Yeah, like, it... I just had fucked up childhoods. Yeah. Always. I it just like I said, it just it feels mean and it feels like this movie is honestly I feel I I wonder what happened if this was like New Line appointed people to do this movie, gave them parameters they had to work in and they didn't have enough creative freedom. You want me to tell you what happened? People were pulled in that kind of didn't give a shit. What happened was it was kind of like a whole thing, kind of similar to what happened with Freddy versus Jason. They had fourteen different drafts for this, and this that is like a cobbled explains up. Explains a lot, actually. It's a cobbled up like mess of all of them. That Apparently, the person a lot. that turned in the original draft doesn't even recognize anything from his original vision. 
So, yeah, that's what happened. Like, it, it definitely lacks a clear direction. Really, they just wanted to take the original, make it darker. That was it. And, I mean, in a way, they kind of succeed because... Yeah, but there's not... They, they, at the I, expense they, of story. Yeah, but, like, I mean, it's just repeating the same story, basically. It's making some small alterations to it. Yeah, but really, but they're taking, like, the same elements not, of the story that they had before and just making it darker. Like, it's... No, it's not... I And I, I'm not going to reiterate the same thing that I said before, but the changes they made aren't small because it completely changes major aspects of the story. Yeah, that detail is, like, a major change. And that's, like, another... I mean... That's like one of their attempts to make it darker, which, you know, it kind of fell flat with a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, well, because it feels like, you know, uh, I'm 14 and this is deep and I'm super edgy and blah, 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 dark. You think that's what this is? <laughs> that's kind of how it feels. Like, oh, we're going to take the same movie and we're going to make it darker. We're going to make it edgier. He's not a janitor. He's a gardener. You know what I mean? Like it The gardener just, thing is the one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I that's have what the problem with, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't... It feels very half-hearted. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I'm, I appreciate them. I I like the darker Freddy. Um, I don't like the movie. No, I mean, the movie definitely is not as good, but I, I like a more serious straight Freddy. But this one is kind of different because it has that Freddy that is trying to be serious, but he's also still making the wisecracks, you know? It's really strange. Like it's it's a weird mesh. You, you can't have both. You need if you're gonna go full on straight serious movie, you gotta have him just be a serious character instead of like cracking jokes at these people. Still, I'm gonna give it a two. What did you have it before? It was like two a, and a half. Okay. Uh, I think I'll just do. Like a three. I don't know. I don't feel any better about it. Well, we went down. Our new average is two and a half. All right, then. Let's see. I agree with the points that you had. I don't have anything else to add. All right. There's no point going in circles. Okay, what's your change? I would... It either needs to be more closely tied to the original or much different from the original. I think right now it's trying to teeter between two points, and it, it's it's not a cohesive story. I can agree with that. It tries to be like a direct remake while also trying to tear away from it. Um, Talia, let's see, she slept like basically the whole time. Immersive. Um, yeah, except she didn't have like her normal like sleep barking moments that she does like in other movies. So it seems like she was just asleep. Like she wasn't she wasn't feeling it either. I think she gives it a four. A four? A four. That's she's kind of she, generous. She's a little more positive than us. You think so? I mean yeah. I disagree because they brought in a dog just to kill it. Yeah, but it only, it didn't die for real. Okay. All right, well, I'll see what everybody... Uh, oh, no, let's do the internet review. Okay. So I knew that this was going to be one that was not going to be, I don't know, liked on this episode by either of us, so I pulled a positive review from IMDb. There's not really any 
good reviews for it critically. I think the best I saw was a six, and even that one was saying it was a bad remake. Okay. So, um, this one's on IMDb. It says, great entry for the Elm Street franchise, but not as good as the original. It was definitely Platinum Dune's best movie. The first 30 to 45 minutes were very powerful, and then it kind of slacked, but came back at the end. Nevertheless, I surprisingly never lost interest. Something I was kind of expecting because I've been keeping up with this movie for almost a year now. It held me to the very end, and I never got bored with it. Putting the movie up against the original, it failed. But putting it up against the entire Nightmare franchise, I'd say it was better than all of the sequels. A very worthy entry, a great popcorn movie, and a great comeback to an icon who hasn't had a movie completely to himself in 16 years. I'll definitely buy it when it comes out. Putting it in the context of remakes slash reboots, I'd say it was above Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, Stepfather, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and The Wolfman, but lower than Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left. And then, instead of like the 10-star review he gave it, he ends it by saying, 7.5 out of 10. <laughs> I feel like he convinced himself it was not a 10 while doing the review. I liked Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 better than yeah, this. Yeah, we'll get into that in due time. That's going to be an episode. Like, I get it. If you've been like following... A movie's like production you've been hyping yourself up for it it's a character that you haven't seen on the screen in 16 years i completely get that and i think there are definitely movies that i'm a little bit more generous to just because i completely buy into the hype of them i know the the more recent saw movies i'm a much bigger fan of than the general audiences well, that's just kind of us with the Saw movies in general. Yeah, but like, so I mean, I get it. I get where he's coming from. I don't agree that it's better than all of the sequels at all. But, you know, I see where he's coming from. Yeah. Or she. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't fault anybody for liking this movie. If you no, like it, that's awesome. If you like it, that's fine. I And I'm not trying to explain why you shouldn't like it i know i joke around about trying to pull travis around to my side but it's really more about like us trying to make one another understand why we do or don't like something rather than this is why you shouldn't like or like something if that makes sense because a lot of times you know we would get into these discussions about oh well i love this movie what no you're crazy and then we you know try and get the other to understand our perspective so this one i i think even though travis isn't the hugest fan of this movie i don't think he expected as much hatred as i had for it so no i definitely didn't (laughs) i i was honestly caught off guard by how much you hated this movie but i feel like you know it was a safe space for us to have this discussion. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to judge you for thinking it. I would hope you wouldn't judge me for liking no. this one. But, I mean. Not at all. And I, I really, I swear, I'm not judging anybody who does like it. Like, everybody, I'm not yucking anybody's yum here. I just want to, I want everybody to enjoy the movies they enjoy. Just don't tell me this has to be one I enjoy. Because I won't. You can't make me. I won't do it. Nobody's going to make you. No, always gonna make you watch this again. The internet's a scary, full of scary HBO people, tr- Travis. HBO tried to make us. Yeah, HBO not. tried to prevent it from happening, actually. So you should be thanking them, actually. <laughs> All right, let's get on to listener reviews. So uh, this is another one that does not have a lot of good reactions from people. This mm-hmm. one, a lot of people are a little bit less kind with their words than us. 
Um, let's start off with Twitter, then. Uh, we have Mike Luttrell, who says, I appreciate that they tried to go scarier and dark, but felt kind of too far. Perhaps the predictable plotline makes it underwhelming for me. Fair. Which, yeah, I agree. I kind of share the same sentiment. I agree. I like the dark tone, but, you know, I like this. Um, Evie basically just said, which of you bastards likes this? <laughs> because she's in line with the whole theme of the show there. Uh, this is just a franchise one. We're covering them all whenever we do the franchise, even if it's one we both like or both hate. So, although I was the defender on this one because I did remember enjoying it whenever I watched it. All right, and then finally we have Joey Black, who says, I'm a Freddy disciple from the 80s, man. Saw the first one in theaters, first run when I was eight. The remake, what a piece of shit. Can't believe to hear, or can't wait to hear the episode. So, All right. Thank you. I hope you liked our discussion on this. I hope you uh, were really into Jesse's big rant at the beginning of this episode because she was speaking to the people who hate this movie. For once, I am the voice of the people. I you feel are. like that's normally you. Yeah, usually it is. So, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. All right. And then we have our Instagram submissions. Uh, first off, we have Andy Eating Candy, who says, I saw it in theaters with some friends. I have not seen it since. It has some neat ideas, but it seemed mishandled. Which that's I'd agree fair. With that. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's the much more succinct version of my rant from the beginning. Pretty much, yeah. He shares a lot of cool stuff. He's got a lot of cool stuff on his Instagram. I like him. Um, then we have M. Storm. Hey, man. He says, changed the backstory and just made a terrible movie. Which, that's another thing that you were talking about. Yeah. And then, finally, we have Carla Loves Horror, who just says, trash. I, there's not a lot to say with that. No. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, well, I don't know. I wouldn't call I wouldn't it call trash. trash. It's like a, a CGI aside. I'd say it's a technically well-directed movie. Mm. I don't know if it's well-directed. I just think... I don't know. I feel like it has the making... It's got the budget. It's got everything that should make a good movie, but it just kind of ultimately falls short. Visually, I didn't mind a lot of it. Yeah. I, I really liked the makeup and uh, costuming. It was, you know, the the screenplay and story that really suffered. <laughs> All right, who's you relate to? Oh, Dean wandering through a kitchen on fire just to get a goddamn cup of coffee. That's fair. That's a good one, actually. <laughs> um, I'm gonna be uh the um the third member of the emo trio because he well, what is... the fuck ever happened to him? Exactly. <laughs> that's me <laughs> all right okay so next week we're closing out our friday the 13th coverage that one's going to be super special that one yeah that one i'm pretty excited about uh we're, we're planning like a short bonus with friday the 13th too um but for friday the 13th the 2009 remake it's available on Netflix, HBO Max, unless you're signed up through AT&T. Uh, you can rent it from Google Play, Vudu, Amazon, or YouTube. So it has, uh, it has Jared Padalecki. Thank God. Uh, okay. That man. 
That's I relate to him already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it now. I'm looking forward for this episode because once again, this is a movie that I haven't watched in a while. I think we watched it not that long ago. Yeah, but... we did. And this is one that I always thought I hated, but honestly, I'm excited to see where I'm at on it after going through the full series and after talking so many remakes recently yeah. and having kind of a more in-depth understanding of my own takeaways from remakes i'm interested to see how i feel about it going into it it's been the month of remakes and christmas movies yeah which is also kind of cool about this one too because that was nice for me to revisit this one having never seen all of the movies before in the series i think really i just watched one two and three before so i'd never seen four five or six so watching all of them and getting like a full understanding of the character and then seeing this, I feel like that might've contributed a little bit maybe to yeah. my thoughts of it overall. Cause I got a better understanding of the core franchise. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to plug our social media cause we, we did that did at that. the beginning, but I do want to ask everybody to please rate review and subscribe. Rating has never been easier uh, because if you're on Spotify, you can rate directly on Spotify now. If you're on Apple, you've always been able to do that, homie. What's, you can, what's up? You can do it on Podbean. You can do it on Podcast Addict, too. You have Podcast Addict. You can just like just hit five stars. You don't even have to write a review. We appreciate the reviews, We appreciate the reviews, but you know we appreciate the five stars, too, because it, it, anything like that, having subscriptions, uh, word of mouth, even like just fucking retweeting our shit like all of that helps other people find us and makes things more engaging you know in between episodes and having discussions online so yeah tell people though tell tell them tell yeah. them i sent you yeah uh and i think that's it is that it <laughs> yeah that's it all right until next time bye bye